I'm Stephanie Howe, co-host of Get Inspired and Innovate, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, not so long ago, my, uh, my wedding band broke. That's right. And it was unrepairable. Well, that was crazy. And, you know, and boonrings.com came to my rescue. That's Boon Titanium Rings. You can find them at boonrings.com. And uh, by the way, they're now a, an affiliate partner of ours, but I also use them. My wedding band is now one of their rings, and it's really cool. It's laser engraved and has these, these neat stars on it and pistons. But they came to my rescue, and I got to tell you what's really cool, and it's in the name itself, they make titanium rings. This is not going to break, right? <laughs> no way. So not only can you have them personalized, but you can have them engraved. You can have them carved. You can have uh, you can have them, uh, you know, designs with uh, um, wood, meteorite, stone, precious metals, acrylic, and uh, other inlays. You can also have uh, uh, these neat rings that uh, I mean, just wait till you see the the black zirconium and stealth series rings. I mean, those are just way too cool, and, and you know, and they also make some really cool tool earrings, pendants, and cufflinks. Yeah, Boon Rings is pretty cool. That's right. You got to go to boonrings.com and they're an affiliate partner of ours, which means that if you go to checkout and you use my code teaching learning leading K12. So you want to use all caps T L L K and the number 12. So once again, you use my code which is all caps T L L K and the number 12 at checkout, you'll get a 10% discount. That's right. And uh you'll help out the podcast because we'll get a commission. So Go to boonrings.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. Jennifer McVeigh, who is board certified in pediatric neurology, adult and pediatric headache, and neuroimaging. Join us as we talk about migraine, migraine versus headache, and an awesome new FDA-approved non-pharmacological wearable treatment for ages 12 and above called Neravio. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it would be so awesome if you went into the app that you're listening to me on and rated and reviewed the podcast. Could you? Would you please? (laughs) You're awesome. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. District leaders nationwide have confirmed that online learning is here to stay. As one in five districts are planning to adopt or have already adopted a fully online school. With the evolving landscape in the competitive field of education, you might be wondering what you can do to stand out. Well, I encourage you to look into National Virtual Teacher Association, or NVTA, to pursue a college-accredited program recognized by states across the country to certify educators in online education. Their certification empowers educators to provide the world-class virtual instruction that every student deserves. The average teacher needs one semester to complete the program, and it culminates in a digital portfolio that you may use in job interviews or even with your current administration to, you know, (laughs) negotiate a raise or promotion. Some of the topics to be covered in the certification include establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources. The NVTA certification process was created to establish a valid and reliable research-based teacher qualification training process for virtual teachers to enhance their teaching and develop their ongoing reflective skills to improve teaching capacity. NVTA certification is a challenging and meaningful process to support your personal and professional goals. 
NVTA is an affiliate partner for Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Click the link in the show notes or go to my webpage, stephenmoletto.com, find the NVTA logo and go to their website that way. And if you do that, if you buy something, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 gets a commission and I greatly thank you for that. So go check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Dr. Jennifer McVig is board certified in pediatric neurology, adult and pediatric headache, and neuroimaging. She is the director of the concussion center at the Dent Neurologic Institute and provides care for many active and retired professional and semi-professional athletes with traumatic brain injuries. She also works with many local schools to care for injured students. Dr. McVig attended the State University of New York at Buffalo for medical school and for a master's degree in behavioral neuroscience and psychology. She is the mother of two teenagers with migraine, and today we are going to focus on everything migraine, including the FDA approval of a new non-pharmacological wearable treatment for adolescents. Dr. McVig, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi, thank you for having me, Stephen. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, uh, before we get into our main topic, let's talk about you. How'd you decide to follow your career path? I mean, did it start when you were a child or did it become a pursuit as a college student or afterwards? I had always, always been interested in pediatrics and I just liked helping people and caring for people when they were ill. But then I really love the puzzle of neurology and trying to figure out why the brain is doing certain things. So to me, um, you know, why do we do things? Why do we behave the way that we do? And why, what happens when it goes wrong is incredibly exciting to me to, to solve, I guess, if you will. <laughs> so it led me down this path. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks. I was always curious uh, how, people end up in the paths that they take. And, you know, some people, it's something that started from, you know, some family member they could see was in that area and in others, it just happens. And, and some of them it's, uh, it's, they don't, not sure why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I think that's cool. So uh, thanks. Uh, you know, today we're going to learn about helping our kids with migraine. So let's, let's start here. Uh, this was some, uh, information, um, that, uh, is out there in the United States, nearly 39 million people suffer from migraine and up to 28% of teens and 10% of all school age children between the ages of 15 and 19 live with migraine. Oh my goodness. I mean, could you explain the difference between a headache and a migraine? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. I get all the time. Um, so, uh, headaches are dull. They're annoying. Um, they might, cause you to be uncomfortable, but a migraine usually has to involve uh, the following things, uh, either light or sound sensitivity, nausea, uh, you don't have to vomit, um, moderate to severe intensity, uh, and usually people have to sit down, they don't want to walk around and do things. Um, a lot of people can muscle through it because they're so used to it, but if they had their choice, they would sit down and relax because it, it hurts so much. Gotcha. That's... Uh... You know, it's, it's interesting because, um, I actually had someone ask me today if I ever had one and I'm like, well, I don't know. I've had some intense headaches. I, I know what normal headaches are like, and I've had a few intense ones that, I mean, it's never like I didn't want to go to work, but, uh, yeah. um, but, uh, so I kind of figured, especially after reading some of the articles that, uh, um, you linked to, I was like, yeah, I probably didn't have one. <laughs> so it was probably just a really nasty headache, but, uh, thanks. I, I, you, 
you know, some other information that um, uh, you're, you're provided is, is additionally 37% of those children that experience migraine find that their schoolwork suffers. I read in an article from the Michigan Headache and Neurological Institute that when school absences escalate, school attendance and performance can cause as much distress as the headache itself. The student may begin avoiding school or homework due to pain, absences and incomplete assignments increase, and the student falls farther behind. What are some ways that parents could help their child manage the pain so that school and participating in the world outside their home is not seen as something to avoid? So this is a common thing that I see with my pediatric patients, especially and college students, actually, uh, and even my adults um, who are at work in school, work or college, you know, um, very, very similar. Um, and kids have pain just like adults do. And I think sometimes we forget that, um, you know, I, I know when um, when when I was little and people would have like a, a headache or a concussion, it would be like ah, muscle through it, you know, get through it. But Truly, um, migraine is a disease state, and uh, and as you're seeing these numbers, a lot of them are genetically inherited uh, disease states, and so we suspect that there might be something because there is this familial pattern that we see. So I'll take care of a, a mom, and then they'll bring their child, and then oh, lo and behold, grandma comes, and you know, so it, it turns into a family thing. Uh, but you know, I think the biggest thing for parents is to ask your kids how they're feeling and, and, and really talk to them. I think we are all so busy <laughs> that, that, you know, you're, you're kind of like, okay, you have a headache. Okay. Well, here's some water, drink some water. Okay. Okay. Well, you have an ibuprofen here. Tar start writing it down and, and keeping a diary of, you know, when did they have that? Did they have that after they ate something in particular? Cause there can be triggers. Um, did they not get a good night's sleep? Um, is this becoming something that is very repetitive? Um, you know, to rule other things out, one thing to ask is, is there anything that they're avoiding at school? Is there bullying? Is there a teacher that they're uncomfortable with? Is there, you know, a, a class that is too hard or assignments that are difficult and, and rule things out? And then as, as you rule them out, if, if the child comes forth and says, no, really my head hurts. And, you know, actually talking to them about when, when during the day does it hurt? How often does it hurt? Is it associated with anything? A lot of, um, Teenage kids, it'll be with menses. So the onset of their menstrual, uh, their menstrual sequences, they'll get these new onset migraines and you really don't know what to do with them. And a lot of it is hormonal changes. So the interesting thing is little boys and little girls, it's equal the frequency of, of migraine until they hit puberty. And then it is uh, three to one. So women actually seem to be, or young, young ladies, teenagers and adolescents seem to be more prevalent than, than boys. Um, and we do believe, we suspect, that that's related to hormonal changes. So having all those questions and having those conversations are really important. Gotcha. The, uh, you know, and, you know, it's interesting because I pretty much knew the answer to the question that the gentleman asked me um, today when I was telling him, because I was telling a lot of people about getting ready to talk with you. And, uh, and I, I kind of figured I hadn't, because I, I, you know, I've had a couple of good friends who yeah, pretty much wiped them out when they would have some of these and uh, just kind of interesting. So I appreciate you talking about that. You know what? Um, so let's talk about the things that trigger a migraine. I mean, what are some of the common ones? I mean, what's you know, in, in adolescence? So some of the most common would be, um, sleep issues, sleep deprivation, especially in adolescence, um, or sleeping too much during the day, napping too much and not sleeping enough at night, not drinking enough water. And, and I'm not saying fluid, I mean, water. Um, and, um, also uh, the weather can be a, a big, you know, pressure changes. I live in Buffalo. So one day it's 70, the next day it's 30. And <laughs> when the rain comes, you know, the pressure can really 
really in intensely cause that pain and people will mistake that for allergies and it's not an allergy. It is, it is actually a migraine type headache if it involves those things that we mentioned at the beginning. Um, some of the uncommon triggers that people maybe won't be aware of uh, would be uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, processed foods. So MSG, monosodium glutamate, which can be in the lining of soup cans, bouillon cubes, salad dressings, uh, powder packets, um, frozen food, um, nitrates, lunch meat, pepperoni, salami, bacon, hot dogs, um, large volumes of cheese or caffeinated beverages, um, and then anything with red dyes or um, diet products, you know, with saccharin or stevia even can sometimes trigger some of my patients. So really just eating a cleaner diet, less processed, hydrating, getting good sleep, all the things that we, we know we should be doing for ourselves, but, you know, as teenagers or as college students, you know, we're less likely to do. So they just need to be reminded that this is part of why you get a headache and we should work on it. Very cool. The, uh, I don't know if very cool is the right response there. <laughs> I, you know, it's because um, what it makes me think of is that, uh, so do we know why? Like, I mean, let, let me just pick on one of those. I mean, wh why the nitrates in hot dogs would cause it? Because it seems so, like a kid thing to have. That's why. I was yeah, it, it does. And, you know, I, through the course of time, and I, I don't have the exact scientific answer for you from the you know, what, what scientists would say, I, I, you know, we suspect that, you know, all these processed foods are not good for our body and, and, and cause us to have reactions. And sometimes there can be inflammatory responses, you know, and people understand gluten and they understand other things that, that can cause an inflammatory reaction in our body. And migraine interestingly involves um, some element in inflammation and vascular changes. And we now know that the pathophysiology of migraine can involve these pain receptors, inflammation, vascular changes, and it's this cascade that happens. And so once the cascade begins, it's very hard to like pull the train back in on the station. Um, so stopping it in the beginning is very important, but not letting it begin is ideal, you know? Um, but, but once it starts, you know, it's really good to have a rescue and, and in a way to pull back from that event um, to make you feel better pretty quickly. Gotcha. The, uh, so so let's use that to kind of flow into what the natural next question would be, which is, uh, what are some of the ways you treat migraine? I mean, how do you, how, how do you deal with it once it's set in there? So as a, as a, a migraine doctor, you know, typically we'll have the conversation with uh, a patient about preventative uh, treatments and rescue treatments or acute treatments. So preventative means that you're trying to not have that ache, you're trying to prevent it. So avoiding those triggers would be more of a naturopathic way to, to prevent. Um, sometimes we use vitamin therapy. Sometimes if it gets bad, we use medication therapies. Now, as far as um, rescue therapies, that's kind of a more common thing. It doesn't matter how often you have your headache. Everyone needs a rescue, you know, everyone should have something that helps them rescue, right? Or, or have an acute event that ends. And so, you know, you could use homeopathic stuff, like I said, some vitamin therapies, you could use medication therapies, but medication therapies are a little bit challenging with, um, with adolescents um, and teens, especially because sometimes they don't swallow pills or sometimes they will take over-the-counter medications, but they'll take them too frequently. Um, I can't tell you how many times I interview a parent and a child in I'll say, well, how often are you taking, you know, ibuprofen or something like that? And the child will say one answer and the parent will say another answer. Mm. And the parent will say, I didn't know you were taking it that often. And they're like, yeah, well, I tell you when I get it and, you know, or I get it from dad and I get it from this person. And so it, it makes me concerned. So having those conversations with your parents are, are very important. You know, the parents are very important, but also understanding 
that, um, you know, the kids can overuse it. Adults can overuse these medications and it can actually cause the headache. Sometimes we believe in a medication overuse headache or, you know, some of the issues with adolescents is they don't swallow pills. So how am I going to treat them if they don't swallow a pill um, or if they're adverse to swallowing a pill and I prescribe a pill, they're not going to take it. And so now the headache goes on for day two, day three, and instead of one headache, it turns into more. So the nice thing is that there, there are other options um, that are non-medication-based uh, um, uh, therapies. And so there's a, a new medication or a new treatment on the market, uh, Nerivio, which is the first drug-free therapy um, that's been FDA cleared for acute treatment of migraine in adolescents. Um, and it is a uh, neuromodulating device. So it's, it's a, a smart co uh, phone controlled device that's worn inconspicuously on the upper arm, like the uh, forearm or the, the upper arm by the shoulder. Um, and you, you kind of almost like Velcro it on or attach it on somebody leaves it on for 45 minutes um, inconspicuously and then take it off when you're done. Um, and it, it just feels like a, a tingle or um, a, a stimulation, um, very not, not uncomfortable, you know, um, and then you take it off when you're done. That's cool. I, I was going to ask you about this device. So let's, since we're there, <laughs> let's, let's, let's continue that discussion just a little bit. So you mentioned smartphone, you mentioned a whole bunch of words in there that I want <laughs> to kind of come back to. So it's, you know, I understand the tingling part. That's, that's what it feels like. And, but it's a, uh, so, and it, because it's this type of device, obviously there's no injections, there's no medicine going into anybody. What is it doing that's, that's making it successful or in helping? So pain is uh, something that's perceived in our body and we have a peripheral perception of pain and we have a central per perception of pain in our body. And so what this is doing is modulating the body's uh, perception of pain uh, by altering the perception peripherally uh, so that eventually the central portion becomes altered as well. Um, and so um, it, it very interesting philosophy, very interesting treatment strategy. Um, but the nice part is, is that the side effect profile is, is, you know, in the studies was uh, very, very low. And, and, you know, there was no serious adverse side effects. Nobody discontinued the study related to the side effects. Um, it was purely just mild, like a little bit tingling at the site. And so, um, and so they take to it very easily. Um, and, and you can teach them how to put it on, you program it, and then when you get a migraine, you literally just put it onto the arm, go on your smartphone, press start, you know, and the nice thing is, is that the, um, it'll keep a diary of every time you've used it. Um, you can put more information in the diary about the headache um, and it kind of tracks things for you, which is nice. Uh, so that when you go back to the doctor, you can kind of talk about things and uh, be able to discuss it appropriately. That's cool. And uh, there's a couple of things that are really cool about that. Cause I can imagine simply by the fact that it's connected with your smartphone, that that would be a way that in some ways um, a treatment that would be enticing to a, an adolescent because it's like, well, this is kind of neat. It's part of my, you know, the phone's kind of connected to me. And the patients that I've, I've used this with have, have really ca caught on pretty quickly, you know, and honestly, you know, from a parent perspective, it's kind of nice to, to say, well, let's try this because I, I'm not putting a medication in, in my body. I am going to try this when they get the acute rescue, you know, they need that acute rescue um, side effects. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about them overusing it, you know, um, and, and I don't have to worry about them um, 
understanding how to do it if once we've worked on it and, and in the studies, it wasn't that hard to, to get it programmed and figure it out. So, um, and they can do it independently. Like if a parent, this is only FDA approved for adolescents and teens, um, and, as well as adults. So it is FDA approved for adults as well, not children uh, under the age of 12. So 12 to 17 years old and then 18 on up. So basically 12 on up. Um, and so um, if, if, you know, a teenager is home and they're, you know, junior in high school and they're doing their online schooling, they can put it on and mom doesn't worry about or dad doesn't worry about, oh, you're getting the Motrin bottle, what, what's going on, you know, <laughs> which yeah, is awesome. an issue right now that comes up in my clinic. So I can imagine because, I, you know, just I mean, we're kind of um, well, I'll just say it. I mean, one of the things that it, this discussion is making me think about is that you must have some interesting um kind of crucial conversations with with some teens about especially when you have a conversation and they have a different number of tablets that they're taking versus the other versus yeah. their parent or something and and uh um and so that i can imagine some of the those conversations just having to you know at some point well you know lay it on the line and say this is what you know we got to be trying to do in order to get you through this right and one of the things that's interesting about this device, like you were saying, that it keeps track of the, how did, what's that look like? I mean, cause I, to me, that would then suddenly be able to, for the, for the adolescent to be able to say, you know, see. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I get diaries back. I, I actually watch them fill it out in the, in the waiting room. And there's been oh. studies that we've been part of that. I'm like, you know, they filled it out in the waiting room. I don't know how. I don't, know, I don't know how good it is, you know, but right. there's no mistaking you use this device this many times and I have record of it. And let's talk about that. You know, why did you feel the need to do that? But the good thing is, is that, you know, it, it does keep track. I can have that conversation. It is a good record of it. It's something that teens and adolescents can be um, comfortable using. Um, they get it. They're attracted to the technology. Um, and, and parents can be comfortable with it as well. Um, it's, it's safe, easy to use. Um, and, and the nice part is that the, that the patients that I've had in the studies have shown that headache freedom and headache, um, uh, relief can be something that is obtained with these individuals. Um, and it's sustained too over the 24 hours. So it's not something where you take it off and it goes away and it comes back, but there was a, a large percentage of, of individuals that, that felt that they, they, they sustained their pain relief or their pain freedom throughout the 24 hours. Very cool. So how long has this been out? I mean, how long has this kind of device been uh, where uh, people can use it? Like you said, it's FDA approved for the certain ages. So this has been out for adults prior uh, for, I believe, over about a year and a half. Um, so this I, is new. I did the studies with the company, so I'm going to say it's all muddied in my head because it, I, we've been using it for a lot longer. Um, but as far as the FDA uh, clearance um, in, since January, um, and, the, and the studies were, were so, so good that they expedited it. But, you know, for fair balance, you know, there's definitely things that uh, not everybody responded dramatically well but there was there was a good enough response that the fda cleared it for the acute treatment very cool so so you that's that's neat to know you so you're part of the research uh, yeah so we helped do the research so you gotta tell me i mean what's what's that like i mean you're using do you have volunteers who come in to mm -hmm. yeah so um the nice part is is that you know 
we, we kept very specific track of things, not just with the patient, but with, with the study subject, you know. Um, and so we were able to keep very good track and the company kept very good track of everything through the computer. So like I said, in some studies, somebody, somebody would walk out and they'd fill in the diary out on a piece of paper when they come into the, into the office. Whereas this, this was, it's right there to look at. Um, so very helpful, very useful. Um, great to show the patient too. Uh, and then they can look back and say, oh, I remember that's when this happened. And not only is it helpful for the device, but it's helpful in the bigger picture of migraine for the patient. So I can say, okay, you had three in a row this week. What happened? What can we do to prevent that from happening? Because I don't want to see that now. If it was something where they said, well, I, had, I was stressed, I had a test. Um, okay, so let's work on that. What could we do to kind of alleviate our stress? Could we do mindfulness, meditation? Could we do other things? Um, uh, if it was, well, I know it's when I went to the game and I had a hot dog and then this and that. And so, okay, well, let's work on diet. Let's work on hydration. Let's work on all the stuff that we had talked about before and reminders of those kinds of things. So, and then ultimately, you know, it, it, does the patient need to, to involve a preventative as well, like a preventative treatment with the rescue if it's that bad? So um, it helps the doctor make better decisions. It helps the patient make better decisions. It helps the parent make better decisions. So, um, and adolescents and teens are a little tough sometimes. Uh, let's be honest. I have, I have two of them at home. <laughs> yes. So I <laughs> just say that sometimes the story you get isn't always the story that's the reality. So it's okay. <laughs> this is part of going back to my, uh, question about, uh, thinking that you're going to have some of those tough talks because I, I could see where, uh, yes, because talking with adolescents sometimes because everything's good or no, I didn't do anything. And then you find out that they toughed it out because they really just had to have that uh, um, can of whatever, or that, uh, that food that they had to talk before. We know it causes it. Why are you eating it? Well, and, and we all do that, right? Like I know, I know, that's I know what... chocolate cake makes me have a migraine, <laughs> but I'm going to take the chocolate cake sometimes and I'll use the Derivio and I'm, I'm okay with that. But I've, I've already acquiesced to the fact that I want the chocolate cake. Sorry. Exactly. That's why, that's why, yeah. oh, we know full well. I mean, there's a, you know, it's, it's uh, we, there's things that we do as, as adults forget the kid part. I mean, we get frustrated with the kids, but as an adults, we do our own version of it where the, you know, the doctor ends up looking at straight in the eye and saying, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, cause I like it, you know, that's not the feeling it's the, it's the good taste of the other things or whatever, but right. uh, very cool. So I, how did this, this type of research start with this device? I mean, was it, just somebody had, had an idea and said, you know, it'd be great if we didn't have to put something inside people. It'd be nice if it was just a device that, I mean, it, it did it come from an idea or was there something actually that was discovered that you guys were working with that idea to, to create the device? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yes. I, so I wasn't one of the researchers, so I can't speak to that, but this is a company in Israel who is phenomenal. The, the, the people that are involved in this are just uh, really salt of the earth kind of people really dedicated to migraine treatment um, in, in everyone, uh, adults and uh, teens and, and everyone. Um, so I, it's been, it's been wonderful to work for the company. I do have to say uh, their hearts are in the right place and minds are in the right place. So I, I believe that a, a lot of it, um, it has to do with uh, understanding these, as I said, this peripheral and central uh, pain response. And there's different fibers that are affected. There's C fibers um, that are associated more centrally, and there's A delta fibers that are affected as well. And so part of this is to understand how to kind of 
um, control the way that those fibers, those pain receptors and those fibers respond. Um, and if we can modulate how we have pain response, so neuromodulation, um, then we can kind of tone it down and we can, we can push through it so that we can get the brain past thinking, okay, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, okay, let's turn it down. And so the thought was maybe we can, can confuse the system or disrupt the system a little bit, I believe. But again, I'm not one of the researchers that actually initiated the process. So I got you. It's just, it's just that's what I understand of it. I appreciate you sharing that because it's just interesting. It, it makes you think. It's like it's cool. I mean, because lots of times you just never know where the, the original idea came from. And it's just kind of interesting to, to hear that, especially because, I mean, obviously someone was thinking along the lines, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to ingest something or um, right. to, to figure out how to solve this problem, which... Uh, very cool. So, uh, so Dr. McVig, one of the things that just, just is in my brain that I got to ask here is, uh, um, so what do you experience in the research? I mean, what's the research show about the success of the device and such like that? So uh, the, the actual study was published in the Journal of Headache. Um, and some of the things that we found were that 71% uh, of the adolescents participating, and, and mind you, this was a study that only involved patients 12 years old to 17 years old, so teens and adolescents. Um, but 71% of these individuals um, experienced pain relief after two hours, Why 35% had complete pain freedom. Um, and then pain relief and pain freedom were sustained for 24 hours in 90% of those cases. Um, so, and what's even more interesting to me is that 69% of those patients had functional improvement in their ability to do things. So do schoolwork, uh, usual activities, um, and just participate in, in what they would normally do, which to me is, is impactful because this is, this is what we're looking for is, can I get back to my normal routine? Can I do what I'm supposed to be doing? Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I know the, the friends that I've had, they've, they've had them and they really just like, uh, I'll get together with you guys later, but yeah. not today. <laughs> um, so being able to go back and I can imagine, especially for, you know, or saying that they don't want to go to school or I, I, I can't focus on my work or whatever it is that they're just not wanting to do. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to have that relief. So that's, that's, that's interesting with, you know, with the, let's talk, let's kind of shift to some other things. Like with the increase of screen time doing um, due to online learning that's happened thanks to this um, strange world that we've entered into the last year. Um, you know, that is there a problem of increased migraine systems, um, symptoms, and, uh, you know, how can a parent kind of help their child because they're going to have to have spend more time looking at a screen and not, you know, because of this needing to do a lot of virtual activities now. Yeah. So I personally, and, and I don't know the numbers because I think once COVID hit, we all just went into <laughs> just, just make it work. Just, just get through the day, you know, kind of met thought mentality and, 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 and as a parent and, and a physician, you know, part of it was like, teach everybody what they need to know and then make it through the day because at first we were all homeschooling and uh, I have an elementary and a middle school and a high schooler and so brain just spins. And so um, seeing the screen time varying with all of them, like even, even the five-year-old, it's, um, it's crazy, but especially my teenagers, you know, the 12-year-old and, and she's going to be 15 in a week, but the 15, almost 15-year-old, the, the, so, so you have the, the school, then you have the iPhone, then you have, you know, talking to friends, then you have, oh, maybe we'll watch a show on TV. And then it just, 
I just feel like a lot of it's media. But then as a parent, you, you kind of felt weird restricting during COVID and, and the lockdowns because this is their only access to their friends. And there's this level of depression and anxiety. And so this is their outlet. This, this is how they are communicating with each other. So where do you say no and, and, and really put down the, uh, you know, the, this is where you have to stop versus you know, acquiesce and say, listen, this is, this is for your health you know, that I want you to be communicating. But to your point, we've seen a rise in migraine and um, sensitivity tremendously. And, and, and it's not only in my patients who had a pre-existing history of migraine, uh, adults and teenagers uh, alike, but also patients that are new that are coming that never had migraine before. And one of the first things I ask is, are you online? Are you hybrid? Or are you in school? Just so I can get a feel for what's going on. And then, you know, how are you doing? Are you comfortable? Are you, are you doing, you know, are you excelling? Are you not? And then does it bother you? And th- that is part of my regular question. My, my new opening statement is, what is your learning situation at the current time? <laughs> this is a new question in medicine. New question, um, yes. And so um, I find that the kids that are hybrid and the kids that are online, we talk about changing things like the backlighting in your computer. So you can turn down the brightness on your computer. It saves battery. Um, it saves your eyesight. Um, and it really does look a little bit different, especially when you're looking at white pages. Um, you can also wear blue light glasses. You can have, they, they can have a little tint to them so that it reflects differently. And so you're not getting all of that. They're really, really cheap. You can buy them online. Um, they have, they're all over the place now. And some of them are pretty cool and, and nice looking. I tell the, the patients that I have. Um, and then your phone is the same thing. You can change the backlighting. You can change it from white to black background. You can, you can do a whole bunch of things to make it feel better. And I know my, my 15 year old has migraine and she did, she modified all of that. She wears the glasses. She did that on her phone. It's black. Um, and so it, it, it just made her feel better. Uh, we restricted some of the times I put in a thing to turn it off at a certain point in time. We just, we have to, um, you're on it too much. And, um, and things got a lot better and she felt a lot better. She has migraines and it just, it improved dramatically, but not only for her, but for, for my patients as well. It's, you know, I think if we stop and think about it, it's amazing. Just like you just went through the amount of screens that exist that by doing this online learning world, that it just, it's just the number of other screens that they're already looking at, you know, and you don't really think about it until you start like you're labeling, you know, rattling them off just a second ago. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then, and then if you throw in there a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, binge watching something on another uh, on a TV or something. I mean, it's all of a sudden you just got all this, this different type of uh, screen time that's happening. And, you know, and that's, uh, and like you said, this is how they stay in touch with their friends as well. And, uh, and uh, their social networking right there that uh, with their friends and, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's pretty powerful. It, it, I can see where it would just, just really, you have to figure out how to, how to, how you break away. So, so, so what do you say to a, a parent to say and a and and the teenager or adolescent as a doctor as their doctor to say you're gonna have to stop <laughs> with some of this stuff yeah you know i mean I, we talk about how uh, how much how much are you on because the homework is there too you you have to do the online screen time and as a physician of you know, teens and adolescents who have migraine will coach, you know, okay, well, I can rescue you in some ways. I can give you time and a half to finish this paper. I can give you time and a half. I can write a note saying, please modify this person's learning situation because they have migraine. And, um, 
they're they're having they're they're too fatigued being on the computer. So can we give them time and a half for papers, time and a half for tests, things that 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 will really fatigue them and and buy them extra time to kind of get off, go to bed at a reasonable hour and and rest their brain a little bit. Um, so that's some of the things that I can do. I mean, really hard conversations with your with your kids. Um, I, I also try to educate teachers and, um, you know, guidance counselors, um, when I have a patient that's struggling, um, you know, all kids are doing this. I get that. And I know it's hard for all kids. Cause that's some of the statements that I hear, but I'm like, yeah, but if you've never had a migraine, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know how bad the pain is until you've had one. And I liken it to adults when I tell the story is to like smoking. I, I, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't smoke. I never have. I don't understand how hard it is to quit cigarettes and to quit smoking, but I watch that in some of my patients that I, I have to say, you have to quit smoking. You know, I have diagnosed you with cancer right now. So you have to stop that. But I don't understand how hard, cause how could, how could you not quit? You know, like this, right, is, this right. is life-threatening, right? Yes. But it's, it's the same. If you don't know what you don't know, if you've never felt that intensity of pain in your life, how can you, how can you kind of relate to it? And so what we have to do is empathize and try to understand that, you know, this is, this is a disease state, the volume of people, it is a second leading cause of years lift with disability worldwide. Wow. Only second to back pain. Wow. So this is not just a headache. Um, so it's, it's very impactful in someone's life to just give them time and a half for a test, time and a half for a paper, and really allow them a little extra time if they're having migraines and actually go see a specialist to have that conversation of, you know, this is not just a sinus headache. This was misdiagnosed. You know, adolescents do not have frontal sinuses until they get to be 16 to 17 years old. They don't oh, grow. Wow. So if someone is saying, I have a headache right here, which is where young people say that they have their migraine. And they're 16 or 17 years old, they might just have developed their frontal sinuses, but it's highly unlikely that this is a sinus infection or a, a sin, you know, sinus headache as opposed to a migraine. So wow. just knowledge of that kind of stuff, people are, are pretty surprised. Oh, I, I can imagine. I mean, it's just just like, you know, you, something you, you said earlier um, would be something that, you know, people's thoughts, well-meaning adults, <laughs> but oftentimes things that can come from, you know, it, it could come from a parent, it could come from a, a relative, it could come from a teacher, it could come from a, a you know, a coach, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Hey, Hey coach, I got a, I got a headache. Yeah. 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 Whatever. You know, right. take a cup of kind of, right. Yeah. And, uh, and trying to get the adults to recognize, well, this may be real. <laughs> right. And, uh, I can and you imagine- don't always have to take a pill. You know, there's definitely other things you can do is uh, understand the, the environment, why somebody is complaining of that and understand, you know, have they, have they had a history of illness? And even with COVID now, I'm seeing so many more patients coming in post COVID, even with, with migraines. Um, hmm. I don't know what that's related to. I don't know if it is post COVID. I don't know if it's just being in the house and being on the computer for long periods of time. I don't know. I mean, we're looking as physicians, we're trying to figure this out, but the data takes months to get after the event happens. And so, because it has to be published and it's like six months later. And so we're all just doing the best that we can. And so for parents and for patients to understand we're, we're all in this together and we're just, we're just trying our best to understand how things are moving along. But the numbers of people coming in with migraine, uh, adolescents, teens, especially, uh, and adults has been much higher than, than in the past. I can, uh, I can imagine. I mean, this has been a different world for any number of reasons, the type of stress or even I know myself, I get a little tired of, uh, 
I, I have never appreciated the outdoors more than yeah. now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we, you know, you know, I, had, I, I'm in Georgia, so forgive me when I say what I'm about to say, but, uh, um, you know, recently it, it, it was snowing, um, and, <laughs> and I was standing on my deck. And so my snow is not exactly your snow, <laughs> but, uh, but I was standing on my deck and I'm looking up <laughs> in the sky and just enjoying the fact that it's just kind of dropping down on my head. Right. And I was just so relieving to be experiencing something different than looking at yep. a computer screen. So, yeah. Um, and I think we're all there. And so I think what, what adults need to realize is that their teens and adolescents especially are, are very much there and, you know, managing it with them is really important. Asking those tough questions and sitting down um, and being their, their partner in this, you know, it's not a bad thing. If you have a headache, let's figure it out. Let's, let's figure out how to make you well. Um, and, and I'm not, punishing you we're we're in this together to see what works and what doesn't you know excellent so dr mcvig you know one of the things i'd like to to, to just get you to talk about just for a second is uh, you're the director of the concussion center at the dent uh, neurologic institute uh, could you talk about the concussion center what it does and and what you work with and just kind of the things you've learned so um Part of a part of what I got interested in is, as I said, as when the brain doesn't work correctly. And so what I noticed being a headache doctor is that a lot of individuals who have had concussion, in fact, you know, up in the 90s, over 90 percent of individuals who've had a, a headache or I'm sorry, who've had a concussion have headaches, but they have post-traumatic headaches. But many of the post-traumatic headaches have migraineous properties. So this is how, as a migraine specialist, I got interested in it. Um, we started the concussion clinic. I take care of adults and teens. Uh, many professional players and then, you know, just uh, student athletes. Um, and it's been very rewarding. We have a concussion support group. Uh, we have, now we have to go to zoom because of COVID, but, um, the conversations have been amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of the individuals have said, I didn't really think that anyone felt the way that I did. People feel very alone when they have a head injury, they feel like they look fine. And so people don't understand, you know, why can't somebody understand that I'm hurting inside? And, and I find that migraine is parallel with concussion very much. So with that, you know, you look okay. I don't understand what's wrong with you because you don't have a broken leg or a broken foot or, you know, so come on, let's go. And, um, but it's in my head. And so my head doesn't feel good. Um, so it's been really rewarding just to see people's progress, just like it has been with the migraine clinic. Um, but especially with the concussion clinic to see that progress and see people progress through things. But as a disclaimer, I just have to say, though, that Nerevio, the device that we were talking about earlier, is not FDA cleared for concussion, only for the acute treatment for migraine in adolescents and adults. Gotcha. And, and so for the audience, just just know I was I'm curious about because she's the director of this of the center that uh, deals with concussions. So as a former high school principal, I had to ask her some questions there. So, <laughs> of course. so good stuff. Well, uh, well, uh, thank you, Dr. McVig, for explaining that. But uh, we're getting ready to close. But, but before we do that, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, uh, where would you send them? So if someone wants to learn more about uh, the device, um, they can go to uh, www.nerivio.com. Um, and uh, that will be all the information about this, uh, this uh, neuromodulation device. And um, if they wanted to contact me, it would be at the Dent Neurologic Institute in Buffalo, New York. And you can just Google Dent, D-E-N-T, Neurologic Institute in Buffalo, New York. And all the information is there. Awesome. And I'll have um, links in my show notes. So uh, to both of those, so it, it, uh, it'd be easy for listeners to go find that information. So good stuff. So uh, I got two questions for you that I'd like to close out with. And these are just general questions I like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this. 
how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Well, I love, you know, it's funny. Um, my, my, my husband recently asked me to cut back my hours just cause he's doing okay. And he's, you know, I have three kids at home and I, I said, okay. And he goes, but you won't, will you? And I'm like, <laughs> I just, I love what I do. Um, and part of it is the reward of, uh, of hearing that you've done something good for someone and you've changed somebody's life. Um, I, I always say that if I did one good thing today, I would go to sleep better. Uh, if I feel like I changed one life, um, I'll go to sleep better. And somebody asked me, why are you going into pediatric neurology? Because, you know, there's not a lot of things you can fix. And sometimes it's really sad. And I said, you know, but isn't it nice to have somebody who understands what's going along to hold your hand, even if it's a sad time, instead of somebody maybe who isn't really caring about it. And so I feel like, you know, even if I can't do something about it, I'm going to do my very hardest to do the very best I can. But even if I can, I'm going to hold your hand along the way and I'm going to make it, try to make it a little bit easier, like diagnoses that I can't fix. That's, that's neat. Uh, thank you for sharing. You know, it, um, last question for you. It goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Mr. Hitchcock, uh, my fourth grade teacher. And I, I love this man. He looked like Alfred Hitchcock. He just nice. like fit the, and he was the guy who decided if we had snow days in Buffalo or not. So he was double like the best, <laughs> but he would play games with us during the day to get us to learn. And I remember one of them, he would take a tennis ball, line us all up around his desk. Some people would do private work. Some people would line up and we would do our times tables. He would bounce the ball and he'd go, you know, two times three. And you had to say six before you caught the ball or you were out. And you learned your time tables pretty darn quick because it was fun. But you also felt motivated to do it. And then anybody that really had issues, he would put them in separate groups and, and, and work with them. It was never like anybody was singled out, even though we did those games. And um, he was awesome. You know, we would read. He would take uh, read until you until you mess up. So he would have a hard book and we would read out loud and it had to be almost like theater. Like you had to read inflections and tone or period or question mark. And then when you messed up, he'd say, thank you. Next one. Thank you. Next one. But it made you present yourself better. It made you read better. It made you understand the context of what the person was, was uh, wanting to get across even as a fourth grader. And I'll, I'll never forget those, those two things. And there was many more, but um he was a really neat guy, really neat guy. That's cool. Thank you so much. That's, it's neat to hear um, neat stories like that. So awesome. Thank you. I, Dr. McVig, I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. I mean, migraine is a very real issue that parents and children are constantly dealing with. Uh, and uh, the, the Nerivia device is really, very, really awesome. Glad that you shared that uh, with us today. Um, your suggestions and thoughts about addressing the triggers and understanding what help exists is so very uh, so much needed for, you know, parents and teachers and all of us to, to know, know more about, uh, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. <laughs> The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.